So for anybody that happens to tune into this live, uh, you won't be able to submit comments because I wanted to keep this a little bit more focused and oftentimes I use up full hours or multiple hours when I go through this stuff and I want to try to keep this on the shorter on the shorter side. So yesterday, November 20th, was International Men's Day. And, you know, like any of these other days, you know, it is a moment to reflect on the, you know, experiences of a particular group. And, you know, this day was for thinking about the male, you know, the, the man experience, right? And, you know, just for the, and just for, you know, the consistency and clarity of, of me using the term man, I'm going to be referring to born males that are perceived as men in society. And this is, you know, internalized because I do believe that to the, for the most part, and we're in many respects, that ideas about manhood and womanhood, um, that there are certain trials of that that are very specific to those, you know, depending on, on what you're born as. But so many other tropes and experiences are based off of the perception that people have of you and how you're treated in society. And we internalize that. Right. And we're constantly getting signals and giving signals to one another, some knowingly, some unknowingly. I would say actually most are unknowingly. Uh, but in any case, you know, I wanted to talk about the experience of manhood as I consider myself a man and, um, you know, use, at least using that definition. And, you know, and, and again, this isn't to exclude, you know what I'm saying, uh, of, you know, those of different experiences, those, those of different backgrounds, but just talking specifically, you know, about this particular experience. And, You know, this like, yeah, masculinity, what it means to be a man. I had to write some notes down because I wanted to keep this shit focused. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, being a man, you're born a boy, and we get taught that there are certain expectations, certain ways you're supposed to conduct yourself, certain ways you're supposed to perceive yourself as well as others. You know, thinking about, you know, what masculinity meant, some of the things that came to mind were, you know, leadership, assertiveness, initiating others, you know, through rituals or helping them, you know, saying become integrated into a particular group, uh, you know, by whatever means. Um, and this is something that is that is reflected, you know, not just in modern societies, but also tribal societies, you know, societies throughout the different ages that, you know, men are, are seen as the ones that are supposed to help, you know, break, you know, saying the newbies in. And it's had it's 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 um and it's occurred in many different forms throughout history and throughout different societies, right? Brute strength is also one of the characteristics. That's more of like a biological thing, just because you know the average man just tends to have more you know muscles and be of a bigger build in general than the average woman. Um, you know, independence, um, a sense of like you know ruggedness and being low maintenance, not being very hard to please. Or being satisfied, you know, without a lot of fanfare or a lot of, you know, extra bells and whistles and, and you know, extra accommodation, right? And, of course, you know, these are not things that are, like I said, only one of those things is really uh, associated with, with, you know, genetics or chromosomes or, you know, biology. The rest of those things are just attributes that any person can have, right? And so this, when we talk about, you know, going into stuff like patriarchy or toxic masculinity, you know, we think about the negative iterations or the negative forms in which these behaviors, you know, are expressed. Uh, that can be bullying and mockery. I know there are a lot of male friends. There, there are men who do this into old age where the highest form of flattery is, is not imitation, but it is bullying. It is mockery. It is belittling, you know, saying your loved ones. You know, you'll save it, you know what I'm saying, for strangers to a certain degree. Uh, but you'll regularly use it towards those whom you love, and you know, and to you, you may just wipe, you know, just wave it off as a joke. Um, but that's not always, you know, the the that's a very to I do I think that's a toxic, you know, saying response to that, you know, saying there are plenty of men, you know, men that I've known um, who who are like that. It's it's shitty, you know, possessiveness. I was just listening to somebody talk about you know the relationships between men and women. Hey, what's going on, Giselle? Actually, let me turn the commenting back on. Um, possessiveness. There's a common trope in the... What's happening, Giselle? Uh, there's a common trope in 
men and women's relationships, right? Men who date women, women who date men, right? Of the man <laughs> cutting himself off from this, or the trope of a man having a harder time getting over a breakup in the long run. That initially you'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, I'm single again, blah, 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 but then really regret it. Uh, and then the opposite for women, you know, initially they have a hard time, but then, uh, or oftentimes they'll go through all those negative emotions, all those negative feelings, and be ready to move on to their life, move on with the rest of their lives afterwards. And a big reason uh, for that is how men will routinely cut off their relationships with others, not just other women, but also their, their, their man friends. They're male friends, right? Whereas women more often will keep their friends. They might even become, you know, same friends with some of yours, with some of your mutuals, right? And, of course, these things can go both ways. I'm just talking about generalities that I, I'm aware of, that I observe, right? Um, you know, quickness to violence, you know, saying, or using force, brute force to, you know, say, mediate, not mediate, to, to solve conflicts. That's another form of toxic masculinity, I would say. Being emotionally unavailable, extreme isolation, and emotional um, unavailability. And I know those last two were two things that I definitely um, played into. And it, and it wasn't so much from, um, from a, oh, this is what I need to do to portray myself as masculine. To me, what it more so came from was like, no, I need to be more rational and not be, I, I wanted to not be as vulnerable to, you know, saying emotional, you know, saying, you know, mood swings and everything. And it's like to a certain degree, it's like, yeah, you want to make sure that you can keep your composure, that you know how to stay content even when things are not going your way. But it's uh, it can become very, you know, saying destructive for you and for others when you simply become unavailable, when you become super stoic and you're not even able to just process the emotions. You know, it's willing to process the emotions and be like, OK, you know, this is what it is and, you know, deal with it in this way and whatnot. Versus, no, I don't feel anything or, you know, I feel nothing and, and none of it matters. It's like that's, you know, that's toxic. And, I, and um, you know, so this, so this, you know, needing to categorize it, you know, this idea of masculinity and toxic masculinity. And, you know, I very much believe in masculinity, you know what I'm saying? And that's not to say that I see myself as, quote, unquote, the most masculine type. But the thing is, there is no singular, you know, masculine type. Yeah, everyone just needs to be real with each other and respect each other. I mean, that's it at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, but just talking about how uh, yesterday was International Men's Day and just talking about the experiences of manhood, um, you know, because there's plenty of tropes and, and, and whatnot, but those don't, those aren't representative of, you know, how most guys really are, of how, you know, really vulnerable most guys feel, how insecure most guys feel. And, um, you know, just talking about thinking about my own life. And some of the things that, you know, I was taught to integrate. You know, I said that there was, you know, obviously a lot of positive, a lot of negative elements. But I'm grateful that I was in spaces, in groups, in places where masculinity could be questioned, you know, saying to a different degree. Where you were taught to reconsider your sexuality, reconsider your gender or gender norms, or even, the, you know, exploring the idea of gender norms and not just accepting stuff at face value. You know, that's looking at something and saying, well, it is what it is because that's what it is. It's like, no, because, you know, some of this shit was, was you know, geared and aimed and, and directed to be a certain way. You know, you think about, you know, the media is obviously a big trope, is a big one, you know, especially in the United States. The kind of machismo masculinity that is portrayed in the United States, uh, a lot of people take it for granted that it's just, you know, natural, that it's just a natural expression of, you know, the positive traits of masculinity and being a man. But the thing is, is that that ignores not only the different forms of masculinity as it's been interpreted within the United States and within the culture, you know, saying throughout time, but the masculinity that has been, you know, a fixture of human civilization forever, you know, saying since we could document shit. You know, one of the most common things that we like to talk about was, you know, I guess, uh, uh, not I guess, but, you know, hunter-gatherers, right? How our people were hunter-gatherers, and because women, you know, had the prospect of getting pregnant and uh, couldn't be as good warriors, supposedly, that they were more naturally just adept to domestic activities, stuff like gardening, raising families, and, and medical care, you know, providing medical care, whatever was available at the time. And that men were inherently supposed to be warriors, 
you know what I'm saying, and the hunters. Um, people should be able to wear what they want as long as it doesn't disrespect another's culture and race. Yeah, let's get into like cultural appropriation and whatnot, but um, which that's its own thing. But but not but again, this isn't even just talking about clothes, clothing. This is talking about you know just roles in society and expectations. And it's like even when you go back and you look through and you comb through the history itself, when you actually look through it and don't just accept these premises that like oh men were just natural hunters and women were just nat- you know natural gatherers and and you know, made for domestic life, is that you find that not only were there plenty of exceptions to the rules, is that in some instances, um, some of these arrangements were far more mer- were more meritocratic than our societies uh, today, you know, because whoever was most useful, you didn't have such a, you didn't have such a, a bounty of just people that could fill up a role, you know, this is a fixture of, of in many ways, modern society where so many people are just expected to live and to be able-bodied and able to participate in society. And we have a glut of people who can fill roles, which causes, you know, huge conflicts in uh, economics and labor rights and stuff. But and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I'm having a little drinky drink. I was smoking earlier, so I'll lose my trend of thought just a bit. But it was more meritocratic, so it's like, you know, yeah, there were some societies where they were like, no, if you're a woman, you can't even join this shit. But there were plenty of others that were like, hey, we we need anybody that can fucking, you know, take care of this shit. We need anybody that can go here and, and know how to use these weapons and know how to participate and know how to fight and know how to organize and all that good stuff. Right? And then there were plenty of, you know, dudes, plenty of men, you know, who are all about accounts. They're supposed to be warriors and shit, but wanted to do the exact opposite. They wanted to be artists. They wanted to be diplomats. They wanted to be... You know, you know, chefs. They wanted to lead a more domestic, you know, quote unquote, domesticated, you know, lifestyle, right? And I'm definitely somebody who fell into that. Uh, hey, what's going on, Gina? Good to see you. You know, and growing up, I'm very grateful that I was definitely more acclimated and more introduced to the possibility of of living a more domesticated life. You know, I've I've known that I wanted to be an artist, you know, for a long time. There wasn't a lot of, you know, super masculinity, toxic machismo that was pushed on us. You know, even though there are plenty of, you know, masculine male role models in my life. Um, and many, you know, from, you know, not just my family to my, you know, teachers to coaches to, you know, counselors and everything. All kinds, you know, everything. I don't know if I said teachers already. Um, hey, what's going on, Aiden? And for that, you know, and so in some respects, there were times when I see that, you know, perhaps I was lacking in certain traits of masculinity um, or that they were not at the same, you know, uh, uh, they were not where I wanted, you know, wanted them to be. You know, men are still largely expected to be the initiators of many things, including, you know, saying romantic prospects um, or just being really, you know, go-getters. Uh, we keep thinking this way, right? Right. I'm just, you know, I'm just talking about all the different stuff and and uh, and whatnot. But I, but the thing is, is that if we're going to look at, if we're going to look at, you know, ideas about sexuality and gender and, and every facet of our identity as a spectrum, then what we're saying is that there's room for people to navigate and crisscross, you know, however much they want, and that, you know, there's going to be different configurations. So somebody may overall still feel like, yeah, I'm 70% this with 30% that, and then vice versa. Other people will feel like they're more 50-50 and everything. And that's really, you know, to me, that's, you know, what it means. To me, it's about finding how much it is for you. But some people may still be like, yeah, I'm 90-10, you know what I'm saying, or 10-90, you know, whatever configuration. And I think that's, you know, to me, that's just as, uh, that's just as valid. So when it comes to stuff like, you know, tropes that are usually as, uh, uh, associated with masculinity or men or whatever, it's, you know, you're having to initiate stuff, you're having to be more assertive and to, um, you know, be, and, and, and really the other side of that is be willing to take the brunt, willing to take the fall for when things fuck up. Uh, men are considered, you know, a bit more disposable in, in, in that respect, you know. Um, and it's frustrating because, not just because, you know, every man is obviously, everybody's going to have a different level of, of how assertive they can be and how they desire to be. But when this is expected, either from other men or from women, that 
it creates a really binding, you know, same situation in a person where they're punished for their inability to meet somebody else's expectations, right? And I know this sounds all, you know, really basic and straightforward, but um, I don't know. I, I still, I still, when I interact with people, men or women, there is a, uh, well, you know, actually, I want to move on to something else. So recently there was, no matter the race gender, we have any talent that is useful in, in the human race's progression and whatnot. Um, there's something that I noticed even in circles of progressive people, liberal uh, people, left-wing people, and this isn't just talking about white people, um, but different groups of people who just consider themselves ideologically, you know what I'm saying, to the left, or progressive, or whatnot, or woke, is still using, falling into these tropes of enforcing toxic masculinity and using the same kind of tactics that we supposedly were trying to do away with it's you know it's really super often that that the wrong men or when a certain kind of man or when men make certain you know mistakes and everything or present themselves a certain way you know there's a trope of oh you know it's because of their dick size it's because of you know, they're actually repressed in their sexual orientation, or it's because they're not getting laid at all, or it's because they're a predator and they're not able to act on their, uh, you know, they're not able to act off of those instincts and whatnot, right? And this isn't to say that we shouldn't be, you know, critical, critical of, of, of men's behaviors. But I definitely am seeing and definitely do recognize that there is this, it's, it's still very pervasive. You know, even amongst people who supposedly think like this and have these values and are supposed to be trying to get away from this shit. The way that you challenge, you know, toxic masculinity and whatnot isn't going and just returning, you know, that fire with that fire and shit. It's showing that there are ways to be masculine without it falling into these negative iterations, these negative forms, you know. And. Right, right, right. Um, no, I just still see these things being reinforced. It's reinforced in the comedy when we hear, you know, tropes about, you know, when men going, when a man is, you know, going to prison and he is perceived to be, you know, deserving of it. It's like, oh well, you know, good luck getting raped in there, and and you know, hope he enjoys his new, you know, bed buddies or whatever, bunk buddies. You know, always this allusion to being sexually violated and um, in a homosexual setting, in a homosexual. Um, uh, you know, setting. And it's like, yeah, we can talk about, you know, patriarchy and the effects of toxic masculinity and when men do fucked up shit without also reinforcing this thing. We're like, oh, well, he's, you know, he's been branded, you know, saying uh, he deserves it because of, you know, the systemic this and institutional that, it's like that's, it's like there's individuals, there's institutions, there's overlap, but there's also separations between those. And just like with a lot of the conversations about, you know, about whiteness that I see amongst the same left liberal progressive circles, it's being used as like a catch-all in a way, almost like an original sin, as if you are, these comments are dying out, I've seen it as shows, um, Yeah, not sure exactly what that means, but I don't know. It, it just, it just at a certain point, a lot of this stuff just starts to feel like lazy shorthand, you know, because many of these ideas were developed by academics, and the phrasing and terminology is used like in stuff talking about like the theory of gravity. It's more than a theory, but that mind, that's that phrase, that term to people that aren't usually in that space, that academic setting, don't have the context of, well, there's an entire body of work and different kinds of study that reinforce this shit. So it's saying that the theory has been reinforced, reinforced to where it's almost a rule, but acknowledging that there's still room to develop more understanding. So people are attacking individuals instead of acknowledging systemic issues. Right, right. People are, people have, and again, this kind of goes into, um, 
I, I haven't. I'm not trying to get into that right now uh, at this point. I'm trying to keep it focused on the. Um, the I mean, I know that there's plenty of overlap in this, you know, in comments and whatnot, but that have to be that'll be for something separate. But uh, I'm trying to keep a particular train of thought with this right now. Uh, but yes, but it's like as these issues, as stuff like terms talking about intersectionality and you know cancel culture and you know saying quote unquote wokeness, what used to be referred to as consciousness has become more mainstream and immersed into every facet of society and looked at more, in the long run, I think this is a good thing. Just as in general, social media, for all of its negative facets, what it ultimately has done has broken down the barriers of communication and understanding between people. And it's had, it had immediate results and it will continue to have rippling effects of the varying degrees for the rest of, you know, as long as human civilization lasts, right? And where these, you know, tools are access, accessible. But yes, but as a result, you get a lot of people that are using these terms, like people will pick up a slang term from rap music or whatever, not be familiar with what it actually means or copy something that they heard in a rap song or from a, from a music video, right? And not knowing that they are communicating something very, with a very specific context, right? And with a, with a very specific uh, set of experiences to back that up. And so, you know, a lot of times I hear people, you know, making broad generalizations in this context about, you know, uh, you know, certain behaviors of or tropes of masculinity or how men are depicted in everything. And it's very frustrating because it seems like people have wanted to replace. It, it, it's, it's to me, it doesn't come off as much as creating a equal playing field for others. It seems to have just, you know, given uh, uh, an inverted hierarchy, if you will, like. Another way to put it is that every day is opposite day, that in a certain scenario, when two different people of two different identity groups or whatever are in the wrong, it's like whomever, whomever is considered of the you know, less privileged identity group is essentialized and given a benefit of the doubt that they may not actually deserve, you know, and vice versa, the person that is considered the more privileged group may not actually belong to the privileged group when you look at the details, but they are cast with the sort of original sin, right? And um, if we collectively address the systemic issues, then we might actually be more gentle with each other, and then we could be heard. I agree with you. We need to bridge gaps and not shitty, uh, ah, and not shit watch, uh, and not sh shit other, I don't know what that last part's about, uh, uh, supposed to be plant the seeds. Some may die and not, but most people, most will sprout and see that bloom will pass their seeds to grow more. Well, it's always, you know, every generation, every, you know, people always discover this, and people always have it, you know, discover things at, at different stages in their life. Um, you know, just like we all go through, you know, purity at different stages and, and things develop differently. It's like for everybody, it's, it's you, meet, you meet a certain threshold of experiences or things that you observe and that you're immersed in, you know, before you reach a level. And some, you know, and unfortunately, like you said, some people won't. But um, no. But just thinking about what it means to, you know, be a man. Yes, I've talked to people about this inverted hierarchies. Yeah. Um. You know, just and and and, and I get you as people that have uh, that toxicity of those need mental health. Well, I think really what I'm trying to get to is that. So when we talk about stuff like you know patriarchy, and we talk about the history of like, you know, European colonialism. The reason why I was using earlier the, the statements about like casting whiteness as the original sin and then transferring that over to looking at um, these tropes of masculinity and everything is that there are certain behaviors and traits people that have done people have done one to one another throughout the history of our species, right? As long as human beings were together and group and group each other, um, you know, and and just relying on the fact that oh somebody is like me and similar to me and those that aren't exactly like me the outgroup are a problem. And that outgroup can be defined, you know, by nationality, ethnicity, religion, or, you know, different ideology. Uh, not shut each other out. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. And I just feel, I see a lot of people whom, um, yeah, a lot of these behaviors are, like, I have to talk to people a lot of times when I talk about, like, white European um, colonialism and everything, and talk about the nuances and be like, okay, well, you know eugenics, before it was used on non-white people, they just used it on Eastern Europeans. Um, because they look down on them, and this is a standard of identity politics. Um, oh, you're good. Um, but that also that this form of identity politics and discrimination they used on other different kinds of white people, 
because the Western Europeans even even because the thing is, if you talk to Europeans, they don't fall into the stroke of whiteness like white people in the United States do. You know, saying they, if they are Italian and French, they will let you know. If they are German and Spanish, they will let you know. If they are Norwegian and Russian, they will let you know. There won't be any question as to what they are to, to what their nationality is, and they will distinguish themselves. And there is always there's been this you know divide, this identity uh, politics based divide between Western and Eastern Europeans, like, like the, uh, the Slavic countries, what you know whatnot, and Russians, and the way that they're depicted, even amongst um, media in European circles. Right, and there are certain things that have uh, certain traits that are just maybe they were done very efficiently, or they were done very efficiently um, by white Europeans and by white colonials and uh, settlers in the United States. Um, but this was just taking certain tropes of human of human behavior to to cert to different varying levels, you know. And we see this shit continue to happening amongst different groups, and it's like I don't fall into and it's like, and I don't fall into the mindset that I don't fall into the mindset that on one hand these people have autonomy only when they're doing things that 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 we would approve of or that we think are righteous, and when they're doing things that are not righteous, that it's because of imperialism and because of brainwashing and shit. It's like, no, there are plenty of motherfuckers in every society that want to do the things and want to go along with the shit that a so-called colonial group does. Just like there are people that belong to this uh, colonial nation. You know, who are adamantly against that shit and want us to not be involved in that stuff. There's, you know, just like there are plenty of white people that were racist and wanted segregation to continue. There were also, um, you know, before the segregation shit, uh, white abolitionists, you know, saying lost their lives, careers, reputation on that shit and continue to to this day risk it all, you know, saying for their non white, you know, saying brothers and sisters. Um, but not to get lost on that track too much, to bring it back to talking about, you know, the trials of manhood and everything. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's little things because on one hand it's like you know talking about the depiction of men in media uh, to this day, and it's like yeah, there have been some ground made and whatnot, but got to be recognize the fact that there's still a lot of what it, what what I've what I've noticed is that there's been a lot of just pink washing of masculinity, and that it has been used as a front. Let me tell it in a different way. Let me tell it in a different way. I know you moved on from this, but I'm really curious about what you meant by men being expected to take the fall in situations. My heart uh, wants to hear more about this. I want to avoid doing this. Yeah, so I'll get back to that in just a second. And so, like, but one thing I want to talk about real quick is um, the pink washing or the queer washing, right? Where a where a man is kind of given the the given more of a pass. Or is depicted as automatically being, you know, better than the more typical uh, heteronormative men, um, who are more likely to be portrayed as doofuses, as not having a general concern for their hygiene. Um, and I know these things are present. What's going on, Dorian? Good to see you. Um, you know, I know there's, there's 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 things like gamer different gamer conventions and shit like that, and then you know, there's plenty of ways in which men do fail in that. But it's, you know, this continued thing of Heteronormative men oftentimes have to can't become more better versions of themselves, but are instead inspired to just kind of queer it up, you know, what I'm saying queer up their image. Meanwhile, the motherfuckers got cases pending, you know, what I'm saying for you know violating some teenagers and shit, or just violating other people on the low and everything. But this is kind of but this is used to offset, you know, what I'm saying the um, uh, criticism that they would get. There's some examples that come to mind. Recent ones like. Yeah, I hate that. It's attacking masculinity. Exactly. And then people aren't able to work with a scalpel and really divide this up and be like, hey, there's positive masculinity and there's toxic masculinity. It's all getting bundled into one because a lot of people, again, these terms come from academia, but they permeate it into the mainstream. Most people aren't academics, and so they just use it as shorthand because they don't even know how to divide this shit up into these you know, different, different um, sections. And so, Adrian, I'm going to go back to your point about or the thing that you wanted me to hear about men having to take the fall, right? So this is kind of like the opposite side, the double-edged sword of leadership, where, like, yeah, we want more women to be leaders. We want more women. What's going on, Matt? Good to see you. Um, where we want more women to take, you know, roles and everything. But as it is now, uh, we still have a lot of men in these leadership roles. We still expect men to be the initiators and in things. And as a result of that, the opposite side of that is, okay, if you're supposed to be taking more of the risk, that, or excuse me, taking more of the reward, then you're also supposed to be taking more of the risk. 
And now I understand, of course, that this doesn't always play out because a lot of these roles, again, are filled by men. The you know, men will oftentimes protect one another. Um, you know, not always the case, but this is often what happens. Power protects power, but also, you know, in these spaces, men protect men. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. But, you know, even even on a lower level, at a smaller level, just think about your relationships, the dynamics between, you know, your average, your average, your average dude, you know what I'm saying, and an average woman. If a woman makes a complaint about a man, it is given more seriousness and critique than the man's criticism. Now, this is within like reason of just regular stuff like, oh, so-and-so was an asshole or so-and-so, you know, pushed things too far or, you know, something like that. I'm not talking about serious stuff like, oh, so-and-so assaulted one another or was, you know, trying to do them dirty in some other respect. I'm just talking about general, you know, somebody being an asshole to one another and the burden is more often placed on the man. And then as you level that up, you know, you can look at situations like, I know this is a common one brought up as well, you know, um, family courts and divorce courts. Um you know, or just criminal cases in general. The punishment for women and the consideration for women, and especially mothers, is more prominent, given more gravity than the considerations of the man. You know, even though the man will then still be uh, need to meet certain uh, financial, you know, saying thresholds in order to maintain his obligations, not just to the state but to his family and to you know, saying whoever other parties that he is considered to have wronged, right? And so that's what I meant by, you know, men are, you know, men are considered to take the fall um, more. Or, and, you know, even, even in the case of, um, you know, some of the women that I've dated and everything, they said, like, oh, I like the fact that you, um, I like the fact that, you, you know, you would open doors and you would, you would, um, um, fuck, what was, the, what was the other thing? What was the other small thing? Like little acts of chivalry and everything. And it's like, I go back and forth on it. And sometimes, you know, you just want to make a good impression of somebody or sometimes, you know, it might just be a you know just you know you're just in a nice mood you just want to be courteous and everything I might hold the door for a few other people it's like but I don't I I shouldn't always feel you know obligated or expected to and it's like I don't feel like I should get like bonus points for that because you know it'd be nice for you to open the door for me and everything it's like it'd be nice to uh, you know saying it'd be nice to have those things um, men women every gender in between needs to be held accountable on small levels and large I'm willing to work in this in my direct friendships with males thank you for voicing this. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Of course, you know, at the end of the day, this should just be human things. But, you know, when we talk about our society and looking at, and, and looking at it and being like, yeah, we live in a very patriarchal society and this is reinforced. In many other societies, this isn't just a white thing. This isn't just a European thing or a Western thing. This has been a longstanding tradition, unfortunately. Um, uh, longstanding thing, unfortunately, in human civilization in many, in many different respects. And it's gone back and forth. Different places have made different kinds of progress. Uh, women need to hear men out when they have a complaint. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I you know I do think another thing outside of that is that men need to I hold doors open for guys I date. <laughs> hey, that's cool. Do you think? But it's those little small gestures of just like hell. Even another small thing was I've had women who were offended or called off dates when I asked, uh, "Would you go Dutch? You know, would you split the bill with me fifty fifty?" You know, and this wasn't like we were going out to restaurants where it's like fifty dollars a plate and everything. It's just you know, average little restaurant, just a place to get to know each other in an intimate setting. And you know, and it's and it's 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 I under, and it's like I'm not saying that people shouldn't have their expectations and their sh and and what they want and everything, but it's like, but then you have to ask. It's like why though? It's like why is it that you inherently deserve it? If we're both on this journey to find people that we're compatible with. And whose company that we enjoy, and that we're going in with the understanding that not everybody is going to be that kind of person. Then, to me, it's like it's it's like why you feel why do you feel entitled to to this? Um, laughing laughing my ass off to me personally from people I've dated. It depends on the person. Some men were uh, wanted to do everything for me, and some didn't do anything. Some women wanted me to be the sugar mama, and some didn't. Yeah, it varies. And and obviously, I'm just speaking, I truly believe it depends on the person. Some people click and some people don't. Right, compatibility. But right, but I'm just, you know, I'm also just speaking from, you know, my experience. You know, I just date women. Um, you know, not that I haven't questioned my sexuality and everything, but at the end, it was just, you know, questioning. And I'm glad that I did and glad that, you know, uh, opened my mind to that at least. Um, also, doms and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of different orientations and everything. Um, but I guess just speaking from speaking from the vanilla heteronormative um, you know, setting or just this dynamic of people who are you know opposites in this way. Just in general, I'm like, I don't. I, I'm, to me, I just don't like 
you know, to me, I'm just obviously a person that's more, I guess you can, you can, in this scenario, you would say I'm more versatile, where I feel that, you know, both parties will fluctuate in, in, you know, you, do, you know, doing stuff like going, you know, going Dutch and, and doing favors for one another or being able to trade off and initiating, you know, everything from intimacy to conversation to other activities and whatnot. Right. It, it was it was super frustrating with some of the people that some of the women I've dated when it was clear that I was the one that was going to have to initiate and brainstorm shit. And it's like I'm somebody and especially y'all know me. I'm very active. I'm, I have, you know, have as much going on as any other person. And it's like I know that they would as well. But it's like, hey, can you. You know, can, would you mind initiating stuff? Sometimes maybe I'd want you to come and rub on my back. Or sometimes I would want you to come and bring a topic and, you know, uh, yes, yeah, you know, a switch. Yeah, if that's the if that's the uh, right phraseology these days. Um, versatile was the term that I I uh, you know had known before, known previously. But yeah, but it's you know to me I'm like I'm like that, and you know and and then it's also noticing it in you should look into a sexual psychology is so important i believe oh yeah absolutely i could definitely look into that um you should send me some links on that but but yeah but this this is the thing about the spectrum and variation and whatnot and i'm very much in that camp of hey i i enjoy the trade-off i enjoy one party you know saying so to speak in certain situations being more dominant or at least initiating things and trading that off um and even amongst women, you know, that I've dated who are considered liberal or progressive or uh, woke or whatever, I still see this common, you know, sort of sense of, you know, I'm the I am the prize, honey, you know, kind of attitude, you know, coming. And this isn't just like a white thing or a black thing. This is just, again, uh, actually, I would say this is just more of a cultural thing. This whole king and queen shit, which is derived from some hotep black identity shit which i that's a whole no, again that's a whole nother conversation um but i was never with that shit either because most of us weren't kings and queens and fuck monarchies um you know fuck yeah fuck that shit how much more about the free enterprise uh and socialist you know thing the liberty part libertarian part socialist you know what I'm saying fuck the monarchies you know i want to be an independent seller <laughs> of my goods and services um but in any case, yeah, just, you know, just just talking about these different tropes and expectations and the trials of manhood and seeing that uh, it's sadly ingrained in us because we grew up with Disney princesses. I mean, there's part of that. But again, like the Dis princesses, um, it's not like Disney invented. It's not like Disney invented the idea of princesses. That's some that's a longstanding thing of, of, again, monarchies or inherited, you know, power through generations and shit, which has been a fixture of human civilization for thousands of years. You know, tens of thousands of years, hundreds. Of, I, I, you know, I, well, I won't exaggerate, but it's it's been a, a, a way that we've organized our societies for a long time. So I just think that it's something that's just ingrained uh, more from a cultural standpoint, and socially, and from the from the oftentimes from the lore and the media that we've shared with ourselves in general. Disney definitely honed in on something, honed in on it to a different degree, and fixated on it. But I mean, they didn't come up with princesses and kings and queens and all that shit, right? They just really. They just really hammered it in. They just really ingrained it in. Just like white identity, they weren't the first. You know, whiteness was not the first use of identity politics or centering people around a false sense of, of you know, belonging uh, when there was actually much many more multitudes there. Um, hell, we see this in modern China. You know, everybody, you'd assume everybody's Han Chinese, but there's, I don't know how many different... Um, minorities and subcultures and whatnot, and they don't want to get integrated to the to, to the Han Chinese uh, majority. <laughs> um, I love calling people kings, queens in their own temples, but I see how you can perceive it negatively. Yeah, I mean that's just I mean that's just me. I'm not saying that like anytime somebody says kings and queens, I lose my shit. I'm just saying that like oh, do people really? But do people also understand like the the implications of it? Because that's also again reflective of how it is reinforced in us. And that is something that has crossed cultures and crossed, you know, all kinds of boundaries um, and, and seems to make, you know, come back and forth. And in this in this case, it's more of just like trying to compliment somebody and nobody's like a king and queen. You know, there are some assholes who act really bougie and uppity and everything, but but they aren't are also not, you know, the most well liked and they don't always get ahead. Um, and shit. That's what I meant. It wasn't until uh, Mulan and more badass female role models came out that we uh, are now more aware. Yeah, it's 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 you know, and, this, and and the thing is, even those stories have you know been around and not been promoted and highlighted as much. Um, and the story of Mulan is a classic. I love the story of Mulan. You know, um, you know, and that's a, and that's you know actually a, a situation where they were showing the negatives of toxic masculinity because they were cutting themselves uh, off from the. Um, 
you know, obviously, you know, the real figure, Milan, whatever, whoever she's based off of, you know, didn't do all the shit in the movie and everything. But just the idea of like the premise of like, hey, we've been cutting off access of women into the military and we've been losing the influence of this whole group of society who, you know, saying can see things in a different way and offer their own critiques and innovations that all these different men uh, couldn't didn't contribute, you know, up to that point. You know, um, the you know, yeah, just talking about all these different tropes and what we're ingrained with, and while things are being pushed back to a certain degree, it's like a lot of things are still ingrained. Um, you know, for a long time, I didn't feel comfortable dancing, um, and there's some things that I still struggle with in certain degrees. That's just more so because I don't always be on my yoga, so I'd be stiffer than you know, absolutely should be. My hips don't be my hips don't be doing what they're supposed to be doing all the time. Um, no, but I mean, I mean, I mean, but that's exactly what I'm saying, Giselle, is that is that we are we are animals. However, what makes us unique as humans or what makes us, you know, more ascendant than, than your average animal is in many respects, like some part of it is our memory. But a big part of it is the way in which we communicate. The language is a very sophisticated and nuanced form of communication and abstract thought, uh, which is not something that we observe, not to the same degree. Um, in other animals, we might see it in, in bonobos and different types of apes and, and, and whatnot, but it's the divide there, however close they get to us, 98, 99%, you know, same genetic material, that little bit of one or 2% that's different is, has made all the difference and made, you know, human civilization possible, uh, the idea of civilization, you know, possible, of this just massive exchange between the activity of all kinds and exchanges, um, there were all different facets, you know, parts of a, a society at individual and group and state, you know, national levels. Um, you know, that's, and it takes a lot of sophistication to do that. So that's the thing is that, like, we are, you know, trainable. There's a certain amount of flexibility. And so that's why I'm very much on the side of, yeah, there are certain biological essentials. But to me, they're so minimal. To me, they're like, to me, they're like either fairly minimal or they're things that we just have to kind of take into consideration as you go along, like I saw a stupid ass post and something that I might have agreed with like 10, 15 years ago where a dude was saying, you know, y'all females can't just be complaining about when you're on your periods and that, you know, and that's why you're in a bad mood and shit. And it's like, but that's literally what it is. It is a biological function that they cannot control that literally affects with the, the biochemical processes in your body and your mind and shit. You know, and, and the thing is, is that like, you know, you'll, and this is the same kind of dudes you know, saying oftentimes when they fuck up in a video game and when things don't go their way, you know, saying they're throwing fucking controllers, you know, saying through the goddamn window and just screaming every kind of, you know, saying slur and profanity uh, that they fucking can, you know. Oh, of course, if we snap each other out, if we snap each other out, then this uh, we will learn faster. But some are so stubborn that it just takes longer to break it. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people have, you know, ingrained shit in my, t you know, that's and that's the thing. And that's kind of the okay, that's kind of the you know, the beauty and the, the double, you know, that's kind of the beauty and the ugliness of, of, human of human nature and whatnot is that some people, they could change in a matter of, they could consider things in a matter of days or weeks. Some people, it may take years and decades. Um, some people may never change. And it's not always clear where a person is at concerning the issue and, and, and the context of, this, of the situation, Right? And I definitely err on the side of being forgiving to a certain degree. You know, saying there's a threshold to that shit of how many times I can forgive you um, and how far you push the boundaries uh, when you fuck up again. Um, I feel present-day Western society is a difficult place for men to come into manhood, and it makes my heart ache for my gender-normative male friends. Oh, absolutely. You know, because I'm somebody that very much still... Oh, I was talking about uh, dancing and everything and learning to be more expressive of stuff. And this was a long journey. And there was a lot of, you know, saying failures, I would say, because I do think that, you know, you talk about like performing music or dancing and everything, that there is a certain level of quality. And sometimes you get a better experience out of performing at different levels of quality or being able to actually, you know, do certain, you know, hit certain cues, hitting certain beats and everything. Right. But as far as feeling comfortable being able to dance going to do stuff like yoga and Pilates and doing stuff with my body, um, you know, and how this also made me feel more comfortable when engaging with people in general because there was a certain comfort with my body, how I, how I am perceived, and, you know, just overall just feeling more comfortable in this dwelling, 
you know, saying in my flesh and bone. And, you know, this is in many ways denied. You know, we're, we're barely starting to see more men. Hell, we just saw an example of this shit the other day, uh, the day before, a few days ago, Harry Styles, um, you know, what I'm saying wearing the dress and everything. And this isn't something new. We've seen this done plenty of times. And Harry Styles is just, you know, one of the bigger you know, male figures right now. Um, and I think he also identifies as bisexual, or at least um, uh, bi-curious and whatnot. And that's dope. And, you know, and it's great that, you know, he's keeping that stuff visible. He used to be part of, you know, that boy band One Direction or whatnot. And, uh, you know, so this is part of, you know, seeing him develop and mature and, and you know, kind of break out uh, more of that mold. Now, personally, I don't think it was the most flattering outfits. Uh, but the concept itself, of course, you know, I'm cool with that. But, uh, you know, you had... There's a, there's a you know, full contingency of dudes who believe, you know, there's only a certain way you're supposed to dress. There's only a certain way that you're supposed to portray yourself as a man. And it's like, yeah, we mock them, you know, the conservatives' values and, and the repression and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like, damn, bro, like, like, I wonder how Ben Shapiro and other people like him would feel if they could actually be accepted, if they hadn't actually been, you know, mocked and teased for, say, for example, Ben Shapiro's case, being a shorter-than-average man. Because let's not sit here and lie to ourselves and act like height, uh, tall people don't get uh, treated differently, especially tall men don't get certain privileges and have different expectations made of them. Um, you know, um, uh, based on their height. You know, there is definitely a height privilege, just just like there is a beauty privilege or a handsome privilege. People who are considered more conventionally attractive or attractive to particular groups are going to be treated differently within by those uh, different groups, right? And whatever normative standards um, there are present. Yes, usually the men that talk shit are not comfortable in their own femininity. Well, it's not even femininity. It could just be part of the whole, like, conservative reactionary shit is not always that they're repressing shit. Like, it's not always that, like, you know, a person who is criticized that is anti-LGBT, that's, that's, that's homophobic, is, is, um, fuck, what am I trying to say? It's not always that somebody who is homophobic is deep down actually homosexual. What it also can be is that they have been derided or mocked for even being accepting of that, of, them, of themselves not being LGBT, but, themselves, but just being in the company of just like, hey, this is cool, I don't give a fuck, and being ingrained to look at this shit as negative and you know, just kind of being conditioned to have that negative response to it, even though they might actually be more accepting of it. And the thing is, because the thing is, this is also a very big phenomenon in these circles where you'll hear these conservatives off the cuff, you know, saying um, – actually show that they're not actually as bigoted as they portray themselves, but that they're just playing into that and they're just playing into that shit. They're just playing into that trope. And some of them actually, you know, realize that things may be better, you know, doing things that way, um, expressing themselves in a different way. But um you know, but they feel stifled. Another example of this is Steven Crowder, whom cross dresses frequently. And of course there's nothing wrong with that. But for somebody that's always so trying to, you know, portray themselves as super masculine shit. It's, 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 it's in their merchandising, and, you know, he makes fun of other people for, um, for being gay and for, you know, exhibiting traits of femininity. And then he's constantly taking every opportunity to look like a woman, makeup and everything, leggings and skirt and all kinds of shit. And he, and he be fucking serving looks, as they fucking say. You know what I'm saying? Um, agreed, every human carries estrogen and testosterone, so why can't we all celebrate both? Exactly. And again, there's going to be varying degrees of this. Like I, you know, I love looking at this the full spectrum. Like some people are going to be 99, 1%, 1%, 99%. Some people are going to be closer to the 50-50. You know, um, and you know, I, I've, you know, I guess getting towards the end here. Uh, this is why I hang out with a select group of friends, but this needs to be talked about more. I agree, this needs to be talked about more. Yeah, and you know, again, kind of tying this all together, it's. You know, the reaction to understanding the negative effects of toxic masculinity, even being able to identify it and give it a name, patriarchy, uh, the gatekeeping around, um, you know, facets and tropes of, of masculinity and everything. It's like men suffer, women suffer, um, and we have to recognize that these things are done at individual levels, at institutional levels. There are overlap, and then there are plenty of um, – and then they are also separate. You know, it's very complex, and this is why we always, you know, true to the name of my podcast and shit, it's all relative. We always got to be willing to look at every situation and gauge, its own, gauge it on its own. Um, because, you know, the, the thing that I've kind of seen, again, on the, left, on the left side, progressives, liberals, has been a rush to counter 
you know, the failings of these institutions, right, and these longstanding, you know, uh, yeah, these, just these longstanding institutions, right, that we've expected to do this, this thing and that, and then we find out cops are not actually, some of these cops are actually the rapists, they're actually the murderers, they're actually the gang members, they kill, they, they kill witnesses, they stifle evidence, they just don't check, you know, same evidence, you have rape kits that have been sitting for 20 years, and, and quite a fraction of them, you know, uh, could have been solved decades ago, and, um, um, you know, but the thing is, the counter to that is not essentialism. It is not always looking at somebody and being like, oh, well, this is the heteronormative portraying or, or presenting male, so they automatically get a handicap, and this person is, you know, disabled or trans or, you know, not a white, you know, heteronormative male, and so they automatically get the uh, more benefit of the doubt in the situation, because again, you know that doesn't mean always mean the individual is um, is being <laughs> not all facets of institutional biases and shit are represented in each individual and vice versa, and not all individuals who may claim that oh somebody is being racist or discriminatory may actually be understanding the greater context of this. In other words, yes, I am saying that just because somebody says that something is being racist or something is being sexist or something is being bigoted, that doesn't automatically make it so. But it should be uh, considered and looked at. Um, I always think of that episode of Fra uh, Fairly Odd Parents when everyone was gray and the same, and it looks so boring. So I never want the world to be like that. Yeah, exactly. We should embrace, you know, the differences and the fact that people come in all these different varieties and adhere to, you know, different shit um, to different degrees. And some people follow more, you know, quote unquote tradition things or things that are expected of, 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 you know, their biology. You could say. Um, and there are people who want to, you know, push against that. And those are both beautiful, and there are both ways in which they can be represented um, very positively and be very constructive, in which we can all use as, uh, as examples in our life, and other examples uh, which are very toxic, you know. And so, I just, you know, going forward, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, just continuing to say that to all the men out there and to all the people whom, you know, have men in their life that they care about or just wonder and and, and really curious about. The experience of men, it is, you know, filled with its own traumas. It is filled with its own trials and that we should all, hey, what's going on there? We're getting actually towards the end, buddy. Uh, but thanks for coming in. Um, but the, what, what really I'm just getting at is that, you know, I'm very grateful for the men that I've had in my life. I feel really lucky for a lot of the positive influences looking back now, especially, you know, my, you know, those dearest to me, my family, my, my teachers, you know, um, and not just the men, but just shouting, you know, just talking about as far as the male influences in my life. I feel that, you know, so many things, including, you know, being positive, being cooperative, being friendly, being open, being vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? I've learned these things, yeah, plenty enough from women, but also from, from, from plenty of the men, that you can have strong fortitude, you can have conviction, and you can also have, you know what I'm saying, fear. You can also be anxious. And as long as you're expressing those things and being able to communicate uh, communicate those things uh, effectively, that you should feel no shame. You should just, um, you know, embrace the fact that you are a human, that we are, you know, each complex, and that, you know, there's nothing that everything from. Um, good to see you, bro. Just wanted to stop in for a sec. Gotta go. Talk to you later, buddy. Thanks, man. Respect is number one in my book in checking our hypocrisy. Yeah, that's something we, you know, we always got to be doing. And you know, while. Today, you know, I love the fact that more people are talking about stuff like institutional biases, patriarchy, you know, I'm saying all this systemic shit is that we have to also understand that human element, right? That we all have certain things that exist with us, certain behaviors and traits that are just human. And to and this is, I believe, from the Bible that to err is to human, right? But to forgive is godly. Uh, I'll switch it up a little bit and to say that to err is human, but to adapt is godly. To evolve is godly. You know what I'm saying? That we should always be striving to become better versions of ourselves and that we should always be trying to take in different examples. Um, you know, no matter if it's fictional or, or real, it could be from a piece of media and whatnot. But as long as we are not just following this trope of, of deciding that certain people get more of the benefit of the doubt or essentializing them simply based off of traits of their identity um, because of the assumptions that we want to make to, to, to counter the failings of our institutions. 
our media has failed, our law enforcement has failed, our courts have failed, our politicians have failed in many respects, and in some respects they haven't. And so the counter to that isn't just to say, fuck it all and only rely on cancel culture or only rely on social media or only rely on the, you know, more or less the, the insinuations and assertions between, you know, random disorganized groups of people that we need to be making sure that, that we are um, looking, considering the context and bringing in the considerations of, of both of everything from the small to the mid to the to the large to the you know the to the micro to the macro be considerate of that consider that there is always going to be overlap between the individual and institutions and that there's always going to be separation and uh you know that's it november 20th i've never really paid attention to international men's day there was a time when i probably would have just been making fun of it um but, you know, looking at the way the conversations have changed, the way the, you know, the culture is changing, the discourse that's happening, I see a lot of great improvements. I see a lot of develop, positive development, stuff that was only talked about between, you know, small circles. And, you know, you would get booted out of certain ones if you brought up certain topics or people's eyes would just glaze over are now being talked about in every facet of mainstream society. And I love that shit. But it's, you know, we also have to be making sure that we are being honest when there are bad calls, when there are you know, bad assertions that are made and that just because somebody is not getting shot or stabbed or having bodily harm done to them, that psychological and emotional harm can happen still to everybody, that our reputations matter, how we are perceived by others matter. And, you know, this is, you know, always a thing, important consideration to make before we go ascribing certain labels to people um, just because we want to go along with, you know, certain, you know, just because we want to counter certain narratives and prop up other ones, you know. But to all, you know, to all my men out there, um, you know, whether born male or trans men or, you know, lovers of men, you know, friends of men, right, you're raising a man, you know, saying child, male child and everything, or just curious, you know, about knowing more about, you know, the inner workings of the male mind. You know, I'm just one of many. You know, I try to take in as many different considerations as possible. And um, to, err to, uh, to err is human is from an essay on criticism by Alexander Pope. I like your adaptation to evolve or adapt is godly and divine. OK, actually, I, I'm glad you said that because I actually thought it was from the Bible. Um, that's in an essay on criticism. OK, OK, OK. That's what's up. But, but yeah, but I mean, you know, we should all that's, you know, to me, that's what we should always be striving for. I'm, I'm so grateful to continue to learn and see different ways in which I can be a positive, you know, uh, uh, show positive traits of masculinity, but also challenge masculinity and embrace certain facets of femininity. Oh, yeah. One more thing before I get to the end is that like I keep I lost this point a couple of times was that learning to get comfortable with presenting myself, because when it comes to like my voice or the way that I like to dance or just my body type and whatnot, I am, you know, I've been mocked. You know what I'm saying? For, you know, being seen as more feminine. I get questioned on my sexual orientation a lot. And it's like, well, to a certain degree, I understand that. And I don't have a problem with people being curious at all and everything. It really kind of brings home the fact, like, but why does it matter so much? Like, if you're just interested in me, then just engage with me as somebody who is interested in me, not as somebody who needs to figure out, oh, you're this, you know, this way or that way. Why are you moving this way? Why are you blah, 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 you know? And then I'm a black man. And so it's like there's handicaps that come from, you know, being perceived that way, you know, unless you make yourself so un, uh, unless you make yourself so uh, you have to go above and beyond to make yourself seem like not a threat. Right. And black men aren't the only ones that have to go through this. This is a thing a lot of men are experiencing, but you know, we really feel it's scary to raise a son. We don't know anything about the male side of human. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, we all. Yeah. There's there's huge gaps in our understanding of one another, men to women, male, female and whatnot. And, um, you know, this is just me giving my thoughts on it. It would definitely be a topic that would bring up more in the future. And, you know, oh, shit, I guess you can go more, a little more than an hour. Okay, I guess I'll probably go a few more minutes. But, but yeah, but, but you know, it's taking time to, for myself to get comfortable, like, with my own voice, to get comfortable with how I'm going to be seen on camera, with, you know, saying how I dress and everything, because I already know that I'm going to get shit tested. I'm going to be questioned. I've been questioned by women I dated, like, oh, so you haven't had any experiences with men or you're not really, you know, with men and everything and, and, you know, you're not with that gay shit and stuff. 
because um, it points to like, yeah, like homophobia and, and, and biphobia, but also just, you know, it's like, well, you should care about, am I, am I respectful of you? Do I care about you? Am I being loyal to you and everything? Because you could be, you could be, it's not a matter of somebody being on the DL, because there's plenty of hetero dudes, you know, they cheat on their women, they give them STDs, they have children outside of, you know, these bonds or whatever. Um, you know, or they fuck them over in other ways. They try to get revenge on them in other ways. Fuck up the money. Um, you know, you know, it's like it's it's you know. And the thing is, again, things are changing and people's minds are opening up and changing their expectations and whatnot. But that's still a very you know common thing. And it's so um, that's why some people are different. Some like approach. Some like to be approached. Yeah, and I'm definitely somebody who is on the side of I always I I. It's not just I feel forced to, but I also enjoy. You know, the hunt, the chase, you could say, to a certain degree. And I present the way that I do. And sometimes, you know, you get that, you know, you get that response and it puts a sour taste in your mouth and shit because it's like, oh, it's is, is the way that I'm engaging with you. Not am I not adequate enough as I am? You know, um, you know, for me, you're a comfort. Never thought about your orientation. Well, I appreciate that. But, it's you know, I do. I do appreciate that. Depends on their own life and how they grew up. Yeah, exactly. And. You know, it's like, again, like, even though everybody has their own preferences and shit, it's still always always good to question where those preferences come from and how much people have it just ingrained in them or how much they've actually considered the implications of it and the depth of it. And, you know, maybe that there is a better way of looking at this shit. You know, um, I think a lovely thing about you is that you're acknowledging that fear. You also acknowledge that you don't know. Some single moms don't even admit that and they are cruel, even unintentionally. To the sons, I can tell already that you're an amazing human. Yeah, no, it's a, it's yeah, exactly, and and um, yeah, and and that's you know, and that's its own you know, its own thing, and um, you know, it's scary. It, it, you know, it is a very scary thing, just not understanding how other people think, because we also see what people are capable of. Hey, capable of, people are capable of great things, and let's be honest here, when it comes to being able to do damage, men on average, just because of brute strength and testosterone and shit, are able to do more damage in different forms. It's why we, you know, get in less car accidents, but we cause more damage at the same time. That's been that's been proven over and over again. <laughs> um, again, psychological. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, psychological, cultural, and whatnot, and and, and social shit, and um, and uh, oh shit, I didn't know you're still here, Adrian. But um, but yeah, but just you know, closing it out. It's sad, but dating life now is way different than before. I mean, yeah, even shit like going to clubs and stuff like I'm I, you know, a lot of the clubs that I was going to for a minute were more Latin clubs. And so there is still a and that's a, and that's a place where. And those are and those are settings where, a lot, you know, dance, dance, you know, uh, the fuck am I trying to dance? dance halls, fucking dance clubs, right? Clubs and shit, right? Where this dynamic of men and women's relations and shit is being challenged because there's a lot of harassment, there is a lot of foul shit that goes on, right? But that's also, that's also a setting where a man is still, you're supposed to initiate it. If you want to dance with a woman, unless she's the really bold type, then the much more conventional standard is that you approach the woman or you go there and try to start conversation, you go and try to initiate buying drinks or whatever, or I don't know how kosher that is, maybe just buy her a fucking you know, bottle of water, um, or whatever, but that you're still supposed to initiate it, but then... It's not always clear when somebody doesn't want to be approached. And yet there is this, and I know this as somebody who, you know, this is how I act and this is how I am you know, when I'm in these settings, that sometimes you get a really negative response that feels like it's beyond, it, it's, it's really beyond. Because it's not like I go and put my hands on or just go in, you know, real close to shit, but it's like some women feel like because they went there just to sit and be a wallflower, that that should be obvious and anybody who approaches them should be, you know, dismissed and, 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 you know, treated negatively, you know, and I'm not going to say like this, I'm not going to sit here and act like this is a, a super common thing, but it is something that I see happening um, all over, and, you know, to me, that's, that's toxic femininity, you know, because, you know, some women could be really, some women could be really bougie or just really stank and just really negative in the way that they treat not just men, but other women, their own girlfriends, and it is accepted, yes, queen, you know, just because of, you know, some people would have say, oh, patriarchy, institutional this, or she doesn't have to, you know, give an expectation. It's like, I'm not expecting anything, but it's like, you can still be decent. You don't have to, you know, say, be so fucking rude and inconsiderate. I'm still a human being. Like, I'm still trying to, t I'm still taking a chance. I'm still trying to present my best side of myself and everything, you know, and I don't flip out like, oh, all right, fuck you, bitch. It's just like, damn, like, hurt my fucking feelings. But, um, 
but no, but there's still plenty of cool women, and you know, it's uh, it's always great when you find somebody who is cool like that and able to go into that moment of spontaneity and, and play off of it. And it, it doesn't always mean that something deep is going to come out of it, but you know, sometimes that is just enough. It's like, oh, I was able to go out and have this spontaneous, you know, positive, um, you know, really just platonic, you know, saying, but very rewarding interaction with somebody of the opposite sex. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, sometimes it leads to more, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, I definitely feel that it's frustrating um, that it's becoming more of a rarity. And uh, and ultimately, I think this is just kind of like, you know, the mess of having to confront so many longstanding conventions. And, you know, there's going to be some difficulty, there's going to be some discomfort, and there's still plenty of work that men need to do and things that men need to be considerate of. But talking about International Men's Day, the male experience, and this is just my perspective on it and, and my take on it and my understanding of it on these 31 years on the earth as uh, what some describe as a man, right? And, uh, you know, but that's it. But, you know, thanks for joining, y'all. This is going to be uploaded everywhere, of course, like all my other content. And, uh, you know, thanks for joining in. And, uh, yeah, talk to y'all later. I hope to make this a reoccurring subject that we can be explored, you know, more gender, you know, sex and um, uh you know, orientation and everything and perception and culture and all that stuff. Right. So talk to y'all later. Bye.